Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. I just want to welcome everyone. Welcome to Awake Church. I know we're meeting a new church, but... This um, program we're having is sponsored by Awake Church. We're just using this building, and our church is going to be right across the street very soon, very soon. So we're just so glad you're here, and you are here because you're wanting to learn more about technology, how it's affecting your children and your family, and ways you can kind of surround your house so that it is a protected place conversations you can have with your kids so that they're living from an internal place instead of the just an external place that we create. But when they're little, right, we create this external place for them to live in, and then they gradually, with God's help, live from an internal place. But what we're going to talk about today is, I think, one of the things that's the most on parents' hearts right now. Um, it's the big topic of our time. I um, asked my aunt, who's 80 years old, what the hardest thing, she asked me actually what the hardest thing was about raising kids, and I said, definitely the phones. And she said, I remember you kids were always in the kitchen with that phone talking, and I thought, she has no idea what we've stepped into here. And bless her, that she never had to know. But um, I'm going to start with some encouragement from the Word. How's that sound? Okay, Acts 17, 26. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they will live, which means we were destined for this time to live in this place. And so it's great to have a mindset of, I don't want to wish for 1980 for my kids because they were born for this time on purpose. So to encourage us in that. Another encouragement, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And that's what we're asking for. We're preparing ourselves right now, getting all the knowledge we can, and we're asking God for the wisdom for each one of our kids. Another one, you know this one. I was reciting it to myself this morning. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we get started. God, I thank you for each one here today. Thank you that they've set aside time because their kids are priority in their life, and they want knowledge and wisdom as to how to lead their kids in this time that they've been appointed to live in. And we thank you, God, that you are supplying us with all we need to raise these young people, and they will be powerhouses in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to introduce our guests. First, we're going to have Laura speak, Laura Gear. Then we're going to have jo our friend Josh Mormon is going to speak afterwards. Laura and her husband Andy live on a farm outside of Winston-Salem where they have homeschooled their five children, ages five to 21. Welcome. 
When the Gear family was selected to be the primary subjects of a full-time film exploring the impacts of technology on youth, they spent a year delving deeply into the profound ways that tech is changing us all. Overwhelmed with all that the family encountered, this one thing became clear. The things which capture our attention are the things which our hearts grow to worship. Our community's relationship with tech became a spiritual call for Laura. And Laura is going to share with us right now all that she discovered in that journey, discovering tech in our lives. Well, I don't know about all, but I am going to share a little bit about what, <clears throat> what the Lord's been speaking to our family and to me. Um, and we have so much to cover. I feel like the Lord has so much to say to us tonight, and there's not a lot of time. So first of all, forgive me. I'm going to be married to my notes because, John, you know you're my apologetics class. I will go on a bunny trail, and I'll be gone for a long time. I'll never get through what i got to get, get, get through. So I'm going to stick to my script here so I don't wander um, and run out of time. Okay, so dubbed by the director of neuroscience at UCLA, electric cocaine, and by Chinese, Chinese researchers, electric heroin, the technology we're, we're welcoming into our homes, our cars, our pockets, our bedrooms, our classrooms, is reshaping what we think it means to be human in the 21st century. Yet what is that ancient, the greatest, the highest command and call in our lives as believers? It is to what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. In our shifting culture, God's design for us to be primary, primarily lovers remains unchanged. So we Christians know that we do not have a God who is removed from us. Revelations tells us that the dwelling place of God is with man. So God has a lot to say about the texture and posture of our interior worlds our hearts or souls or whatever you'd like to call them, because this is where he wants to dwell. Jesus gives us a parable in the New Testament about this very thing, the parable of the sower and the soil, in which he, um, Christ says that the Christian is one whose heart is ready to receive and nurture truth. So the question for us at this cultural moment, the question for us today is, are we people whose hearts are ready to take in and dwell on what God offers of himself? And why am I talking about this when I'm supposed to be talking about tech and kids? <laughs> because parents, it all begins with us and our hearts. And tech is changing the texture of our interior worlds. So I believe that one of the, the most pernicious dangers of tech is that it's grooming us towards a habit of ease and distraction from our embodied worlds. And the soil of our souls is becoming hardened and shallow, left unchecked, we don't dwell. I don't dwell. We ignore the command to be still and know that I am God. We don't sit in the discomfort of our own brokenness, and the ache in our heart for our maker is replaced with a constant numbing glow. We're settling into our ease, and we don't allow ourselves to linger over God or his revelations of himself to us. Can you feel it? I know I do, and it's not just my relationship with God that's impacted, but also my most important relationships as well. If I've had a particularly stressful day, my kids are being little jerks, or I'm at odds with my beloved husband, or maybe something very tragic has just happened, I numb myself out with my screen. Am I the only one? My sister recently passed away. Her memorial was yesterday. 
the days after she passed away, my screen time increased by 200% because I did not want to sit in the sorrow. Tech is a portable shield that keeps us from engaging in our own reality. I would go so far as to say that most of us are in a, a kind of a tech-induced stupor and that we are sacrificing our mental and our spiritual health and the quality of our relationships and that of our children to our addictions. We are failing to heed, God, heed God's admonition to his children to be sober-minded. And we can't be present to our own realities when we are drunk with a digital one. So our attention is the most valuable commodity of our day, the commodity for which companies behind the tech we all use are competing. For them, our attention is money. Research has shown that the things that live in the bases of our brain stems are actually the things that are most likely to get our attention. Tristan Harris, an ex-Google exec, explains that tech companies are in a, quote, race to the base of the brain stem. And the two predominant things that live at the base of the brain stem Two of the predominant things that live at the base of the brainstem are lust and rage. <laughs> Can anyone here see any lust or any rage online anywhere? Anyone? Friends, we cannot dwell in an indwelling spirit of God and live as humble servants when we are constantly co-opted by self-absorbed distractions or lust or tribal rage. The soil of our interior worlds, God's dwelling place, is becoming increasingly inhospitable to the one who made us for that very purpose. In this cultural moment, the question at hand, the one which is inspiring a, I believe, cosmic battle is this, what are we loving? And by extension, what will our children love? I'm attempting to make the case here that um, there's a significant relationship between our tech habits and the state of our hearts and the health of our families. The things which command our attention are the things that mold and ultimately shape our desires. Our desires shape the direction of our lives, and all our hearts are being groomed to value something as worthy. And Dreyer says, um, your deepest desire is the one manifested by your daily life and habits from a book you are what you love. And this phone, frankly, is more demanding of my attention than my wonderful children or my beloved spouse or that still small voice. Our tech is changing us all, and I'm the chiefest of sinners here. I'm talking to myself just as well. I can't seem to put this glowing screen down, and you know I hide behind it, and I also don't claim to have all the answers here, so I'm bumbling my way through this along with all of you. Okay, so what's happening these days? Familiar bonds are being loosened. Interestingly, researchers have discovered that parents are actually, that surprised me, spending more time, an increasing amount of time with their children. Well, we would think that's a great thing, right? Parents engaging with kids, that's awesome. Well, it turns out that the bulk of the time spent together is what sci one scientist, Sherry Turkle, calls being, quote, alone together. Alone together captures this idea of spending time on devices to the neglect of interacting face-to-face -face with those who are physically nearby. They found, actually, this is interesting, they interviewed children, they found that children reported if mom or dad are on their device, they are alone. Isolation happens when our tech comes out. Parents spend only an average of a mere five hours per week communicating face-to-face -face with their children. So kids are lonelier, statistically, lonelier than ever before. They think, uh, lest we think we are any different, last year, I, I'm at a Christian school, um, Cathedral Oak Academy, last year I gave my apologetic students um, an anonymous survey. These kids are from great 
Christian homes, attentive parent, parents, wonderful families, but more than half of them still reported that they experienced regular feelings of isolation or loneliness. So because we spend less quality time with our kids, our impact on our kids is diminishing. This degeneration of time spent engaging with the children, both because of our and their preoccupation with technology, has had a dramatic impact on our ability to influence our kids. Another way of putting it is this. You purchase influence over your children with time. Face-to-face, -face, engaging time. Our children's faith will form deep roots when they intimately participate in living our living out our faith with them. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, I know you guys all know this verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in the way and when you lie down, when you rise. This beautiful assumption here is that the family is engaged and they're doing life together. They're not isolated. Remember, isolation happens when our tech comes out. This is a picture of family that's engaged. Okay? But... Here we are, alone together. The primary tool, guys, for passing on love for Jesus is not the church. It's not the Christian schools. It's in all those micro moments with mom and dad. You know those micro moments that don't really seem to matter? The micro moments when we're tempted to pull our tech out? Our children will learn to love Christ when we are attentive to them in those moments. Now, I know one is adequate to the task, okay? And that's kind of part of the point. Watching mom and dad struggle as our children watch my husband and me struggle, struggle with our own brokenness and attempt to live in a posture of gratitude, of repentance and dependence on grace, that is the very heart of the gospel. Okay, so number one, familial bonds are being loosened. Number two, the time to capture our hearts, the hearts of our children are shrinking dramatically. Research has shown now that if a child has not come to Christ by the age of 13, statistically, they never will. If your child has not met and begun to love Jesus Christ, by eighth grade, she and in all likelihood, her children and your grandchildren will align themselves with this world, which is enemies with God. And this age, not many years ago, was 18. Okay. So what caused the change? Researchers believe it is primarily this, kids' access to the world through technology. Yes. Number three, children are falling away from the faith at a higher rate than ever measured before. Research has now shown that once kids leave home, nearly 75% abandon what faith they once professed to have. How many of us don't have that friend at church whose children are publicly deconstructing their faith or whose children are transitioning from one gender to another or declare that Christ may be true for you, but not for me, or view historical Christianity and therefore their parents as toxic and unsafe? These are the parents who seem to do everything right and they didn't end up with kids who at this season at least seem to be loving the Lord. Number four, our culture is drowning in postmodern ideology and our children are perishing because of it. Please don't tune me out because you think your children are young or somehow you believe your nest will be immune to this thinking. Uh, without wandering too deep into the woods, I'd like to do a flyover of our terms, postmodern and worldview. Worldview is a guiding philosophy by which we understand the world and move within it. 
It's essentially the invisible lens through which we all see the world. So everyone has a worldview, but we just don't think about it, okay? We all have this invisible guide. And postmodernism is the predominant worldview of our age, okay? Postmodernism, it asserts that one, there is no objective reality. Number two, there is no scientific or historical truth. Number three, science and technology and even reason and logic are not vehicles of human progress, but are suspect instruments of established power. In other words, it's the root of critical theory. It's the beginning of a modern Marxism. It's the worldview that claims there is no worldview. It's a corporate rejection of reason and logic. It's a direct assault on external authority, most importantly, scripture, that of scripture and of parents. It's cultural suicide, guys. It's a foolish, destructive spirit parading itself around as progress. And it should come as no surprise to us that the Marxist call in 1848 for the disruption, the dissolution of the nuclear family is now being echoed by in vogue social justice movements. Our children are being taught that they should apply their youthful energies to the establishment of their own realities and tearing down structures that, according to this theory, are established by a toxic wielding of power. Anyone heard toxic masculinity here? And when postmodernism succeeds in tear tearing down whatever paternalistic structures that have brought us whatever stability we have enjoyed thus far, what exactly do we imagine will take its place? Postmodernism is the ushering, ushering the dawn of a new fascism and the zeitgeist of demagoguery, selfishness, and intellectual incongruence is dominating our corporate spaces. It's easier to coerce or as evil those who don't accept our particular brand of thinking than it is to engage in careful thinking and humble dialogue. In a thousand ways, the world is telling our children that truth cannot be known, that reality is a choice they each get to create, and that their own temporary pleasures should be pursued at any cost. There's no God to fear. Or, you know, if there is, you get to decide who or what she or he or it is. When we do away with God, guys, we are no longer image bearers. We are left scrambling for identity. And so our youth gets, youth all, we all, get trapped in an inward gaze at the self. So, you want to be a boy? A girl? A cat? A combination of all of the above? You do you. Sounds familiar, right? Under the postmodern denial of logic and authority, your reality is what you choose it to be. The world is calling good evil and evil good. The emptiness it peddles is leaving our souls at a loss. It's catapulting our families and institutions into chaos and despair. We are becoming enslaved to our own unchecked, destructive, hedonic whims. Tech and postmodernity have together produced a narcissistic epidemic. Explored in a book, I actually didn't put it on the list of books that you guys should read, but I was exploring a book by that very name by Drs. Campbell and Twenge. Our souls are designed to turn our eyes upon Jesus, guys, to look full in his wondrous face. But we in the 21st century have traded the face of God for the proverbial selfie. It should not surprise us that suicide, depression, and anxiety are at an all-time high, and even the secular Surgeon General declared a state of emergency for the mental health of our youth just last year. As the New York Times wrote, suicide is the second leading cause of death in kids ages 10 to 24. Well, we know that gender and sexuality are not fluid or up for our choosing. 
but are divinely strategically assigned by a loving creator. And there's only one way to God, and that is through the work and person of Jesus Christ. Truth is a fixed point outside of ourselves that can be known. There are moral absolutes. And we will one day stand before God himself and give account. The Bible is a beautiful, coherent, divinely inspired text that stands under the harshest of honest scrutiny. It's a gift to be able to submit to scripture. So what the Bible teaches in the path that leads to life and peace are at odds with all that's being pumped into our children. We see that this non-worldview worldview is wrecking havoc on our own, including those churched. For if we are um, presented these truths but we don't dwell, if our hearts are shaped by the constant isolating pull of these screens that are broadcasting the opposing message, we cannot expect to, be remain, to remain faithful. The seeds of truth are snatched up. Okay, so where does this exposure to postmodernity come from? Well, from the pit of hell by way of upper echelons of academia, to our schools, to our kids influencing each other. Yet the primary peddler of postmodernism, the thief that robs our kids of what we are teaching them, is our tech platforms. Okay, so thus far we've addressed the following. Our parents are leaning into the habit of ease and isolation. Many of us are giving ourselves over to a digital addiction and not being present in this embodied world. Parental influence over our own children is dwindling. The time in which children grow to love Christ is shrinking five years like that. The, uh, let's see, the rate at which they fall away is rising and the postmodern worldview is taking center stage. Sounds great, huh? <laughs> Let's continue. Okay, technology. Technology is addictive. These wonderful brains God has given us are hardwired in such a way that we are particularly vulnerable to the pull of tech. All studies point to an ever-increasing uh, daily screen usage across the board, and numbers vary according to stu different studies, but it comes in between 8 and 11 hours per day. Using the research of behavioral scientists, tech is quite literally designed to be addictive. In his book, Hooked, Near All, I met the fella, had dinner with him for our movie. Very frustrating but interesting conversation. Near All demonstrates how companies design tech habits, in other words, addictions, through the principle of variable rewards. There's nothing our brains find more appealing than the joy of anticipation. Tristan Harris, an ex-Google exec and classmate of Nereal's, uh, reports that, quote, the entirely unregulated industry is basically a supercomputer pointed at your kids' brains to basically stall the development of children's brains to basically say, my job is to overwhelm your self-control because literally the way TikTok and Instagram work is they have a trillion dollars of compute power to figure out what's the next video that's going to keep your kids scrolling. Every time we get a new phone notification, notification or a new video pops up where you get you get actually we all get a mini high that's similar to our brains on cocaine a hit of dopamine in the brain releases feel-good chemicals into our bodies which reinforces that behavior eventually this pattern creates an addiction that makes it difficult to live without feeding the habit let's talk about pornography the average age for a child to view porn is 11 years old 11 70% of kids see porn accidentally online. Unsolicited pop-up advertisements are one of the most uh, frequent, regular peddlers of sexually explicit images for teens. Statistically, the majority of children 
have seen explicit sex and same-sex intercourse. About a quarter of them have been, a quarter of them have been sexually solicited. Y'all, 35% of all downloads on the internet is porn related. Okay, now remember that 70% of kids accidentally stumble across porn online through the devices that we are providing them. And that porn is addictive. Neuroscientist Dr. Honold Hilton says, quote, pornography is a triple hook. The mixture of chemicals activated by porn cause three problems, brain shrinkage, cravings, and chemical bonding. Working together, they create a powerful impulse to look at porn. And children are particularly vulnerable to the addictive nature of these graphic images. So someone once explained it to me like this. We wouldn't consider leaving children unattended in a room filled with Hustler magazines, right? I mean, what parent would do that? Okay, this is essentially, though, what we have done when we hand them a device, especially without the proper filters and training. But it's worse than that even because you give children access to others online, but you're also giving others access to them. Kids are not just viewing porn, they're now producing it. Children are being solicited and groomed online by predators and they're learning to solicit and provide for their peers sexual content themselves. There are 100,000 known websites that offer illegal child pornography. S. Postman, the author of the bombshell book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, it's kind of an old book, maybe 25 years old, <coughs> asserts, with children's increased access to previously taboo concepts of sex and violence, the distinctions between sex and adult are being eroded. Our children are now being robbed of childhood, yet paradoxically, this creates an extension of adolescence. Glow Kids is a wonderful book, highly recommend it, uh, puts it this way, quote, the hyper-arousing glowing screens are addicting, and if a kid gets hooked, he or she may become hooked for life in a state of perpetual pleasure-seeking adolescence. Porn reduces people to objects and grooms the viewer to consume rather than to serve. It denies the image of God and humanity and distorts the soul. Okay, social media. Let's talk social media. Teenage girls are the number one users of social media. And 12 and a half, that is the average age at which a child opens a social media account. Research is showing that across the board, the earlier and the more frequently the child, and this is not actually debated. I mean, it's the more science, just, and I gotta stay on topic. Not debated. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Research is showing that across the board, that the earlier and the more frequently the child engages in social media online, the more likely they are to experience significant, significant health, mental health issues. The APA cites many studies which found the links between the sexualization of girls and a wide range of mental health issues, including low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, cutting, gender dysphoria, and even cognitive dysfunction. Social media has become a primary venue where the postmodern deconstruction of truth is being peddled. We see this clearly in the social contagion of transgenderism, which is ravaging our daughters. In her book, Irreversible Damage, another book I recommend, I don't think I put that one on the book list either, Abigail Schreier explains that the DSM, uh, DSM Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 5, estimates that historically the rate of transgenderism was less than one in 10,000 people and there were almost no known female transgenders. Meanwhile, the latest Pew Research now estimates that the rate has skyrocketed to 5% among youth. 
The vast majority, up to 80% of these, are girls. And this increase is, has, is showing no signs of slowing down. Lonely girls whose bodies are moving through that awkward phase of adolescence, I remember it, find a counterfeit community online where they no longer have to parade their objectified bodies in a hypersexual bid for affirmation. The answer to adolescent awkwardness is to be found in becoming a boy. So you don't have the burden of evaluating your self-worth on how closely you resemble a Kardashian. You don't have to fit in a possible mold. You get to be in control and become the master and consumer rather than the one consumed. The sanctioned permanent mutilation of perfectly healthy children is now ensconced in the language and laws of our land. This from Glow Kids. According to social learning theory, we model our behavior after that of our peers. What if I have 100 peers who text and use social media? I increase the likelihood of getting exposed to and adopting problematic behaviors. So social media gives us an illusion of real connection and inhibits our authentic connections. In his TED talk, Johan Hari concludes that, quote, if you have a crisis in your life, you'll notice something. It won't be your Twitter followers who come sit with you. It won't be your Facebook friends who help you turn it around. It'll be your flesh and blood friends who have, who, with whom you have deep and nuanced and textured face-to-face -face relationship with. Video games. Where girls are more vulnerable to the destructive nature of social media, boys are vulnerable to the corrosive and highly addictive influence of video games. It's video ga violent video games like Call of Duty that are uniquely destructive to boys and men. There are countless studies that prove this, but here are just a few. The APA Journal Psychological Bulletin published in 2010 this, we can now say with utmost confidence that exposure to violent video games increases the likelihood of aggressive behavior in both short-term and long-term contexts. And this from Dr. Wang's work at Indiana School of Medicine in 2011, quote, the findings indicate that violent video game play has a long-term effect on brain functioning. The affected brain regions are important for controlling emotion and aggressive behavior. And that was measured after one week of play. The impact of porn, video games, Social media on kids is catastrophic, and as parents, we have the responsibility and privilege to live like the Good Shepherd who lays across the entrance of his fold to keep the wolves from devouring his lambs. So the stage has been set. Our tech is changing us all, and we're only just beginning to understand the long-term long consequences of this change. Across the board, our attention is being diverted away from an embodied presence, and our hearts are being increasingly co-opted. We are engaging less with our children. Our children are open to the gospel for a shorter period of time. They are not being adequately trained to identify or love a biblical worldview. And the vast majority of them are leaving Christ. We are drowning in postmodern ideology and hypersexualization of self-absorption. And our girls are known for their carefully curated version of themselves. Our boys are trapped in aggression induce games. All this has culminated in a significant mental and spiritual crisis. And parents, this is the cultural moment in which God has called you. Parents, we are at war and I want to call you on behalf of your children to fight. Remember that this verse, um, that verse that we, 1 Peter 5, 8, 
the verse that I mentioned, the verse that calls us to sobriety. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and sober-minded. And the verse continues, why should we be alert and sober-minded? For, be alert and sober-minded, for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to destroy. We must be alert so that we can do battle. The battle isn't just at our doorsteps. For many of us, it is already raging within our own hearts and homes and in our children's hearts. And pretending it's like not here is not going to make it any less so. If we expect to produce children who are strangers in a strange world, we must parent strategically. If we do not make different choices for our children, we cannot expect different outcomes for them. Our desires for our children must necessitate action. So the good news is this. God has sovereignly placed you in the position of leadership at this cultural moment. You are the gatekeepers for your family. You are God's anointed for your children. And we do not accept or propagate a spirit of fear. God has come not to give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Our aim is to declare that God has a plan for good for our families, and he will equip us to live in a sober-minded way. Embedded, guys, in this call of God is always the equipping, which is why Christ could say to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead man rises. I love this verse, Romans 5, 8-7. God's going to provide for our families. I love this juxtaposition of what it means, looks like to live in the world versus living as, as a child of God. Romans 8, 5 through 7 um, says, For uh, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For, uh, for the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But as believers who are in Christ, Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through those who love him. So what are we parents to do? First of all, and I'm talking to myself here, number one, we are to repent. I'm praying that we all awaken from this tech-induced stupor and take thoughtful control over what we choose to give our attention to, our hearts to. May God have mercy on us all, guys, and deliver us from the false God of the glowing screen. So I'm praying, God, for, for us, for me, for a spirit of contrition and urgency. Okay, number two, pray and watch. Petition God together. Okay, acknowledge that we need him. We can't do this on our own. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. So we need to keep our ears bent towards the Lord. Acknowledge God's dominion over your time and over your children. Lead by example. And grace means, guys, that it's never too late to begin a new habit or put aside an old one. Meet with your spouse and come up with a great a plan of attack. Establish a safety net on your devices. Listen to Josh and what he's about to tell you, too. <laughs> he's going to give us a lot of real practical things. Okay, number three, engage. Statistically, you parents continue to be the primary tool that God, the Holy Spirit, uses to influence if and when a child comes to the faith. Uh, the Barna Group puts it this way, quote, kids will be what they see. Spend time outside. 
make memories, teach them about self-governance, maybe put in place certain rhythms that lead their hearts to Christ. Unplug again, read great books, have hard conversations with them. Habits of the Household and The Common Rule are two phenomenal books I highly recommend it's by the same author. They outline some of the ways, the rhythms that you can put in place in your family in a very, a very accessible way. Okay, number four, get educated. Be the one who researches what your kids are putting into their hearts and their minds. Discuss key social issues and worldviews with them. We need to catch faulty biblical, unbiblical thinking before it takes root. Challenge your kids to question not just the secular worldview, but also Christianity itself. Why can't true, something be true for you and not for me? And if, like me, you don't feel equipped, well, there are lots of resources out there. Got some listed for you. Lean into those resources like I have. Okay, number five, delay. Delay, delay, delay. Delay giving your children personal devices and limit their screen time. As um, Early writes in his book, Habits of the Household, quote, this is potentially one of the hardest sacrifices for us as parents. It's a lot easier to handle the screen, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, but it is potentially one of the most important things you can do to help our kids grow into the people that God created them to be. You are preserving their freedom when you withhold this addictive tech. We have not allowed our kids to have phones until 16, just anecdotally, and then with some hesitations and restrictions, my son, when he's gonna start driving soon, and he's gonna get a flip phone um, when he starts his driving. And also watch your kids. You know, when you sense that they can govern in accordance with a godly lifestyle, um, then give them more freedom. Okay, number six, say no to social media. Just say no, including TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat. The messages your kids are gonna be getting on social media will be contrary to the messages that you will be sharing with them. Why allow their brains to be awash in a power powerful current that is flowing in the opposite direction of where you are trying to take them? Makes no sense. I implore you to keep your kids off of social media. Children simply are not developed enough to handle it. Hard stop. Number seven, limit video games to ones that are not violent and put time limits on them. Guys, you're not gonna be the good guy. Your children will protest and whine and ask relentlessly. They'll say, it's not fair and everyone else is doing it. And sometimes though, it, honestly, it feels like, it feels like the, the road to heaven is like this narrow trail in the woods and the road to hell is like a, like a, like a super highway party place, right? But I encourage you guys as children to find that narrow path that leads to life and walk in it. Master the tool. Our tech is a tool. Okay, train yourself and, you, and teach your family to use tech as a tool for the good. Master it or it will master you. There are only two options. Put healthy rhythms in place, rhythms of, of work and play and rest. Sabbath rest, yes, and tech rest. Again, I refer you to our book list for suggestions on good ones that can help um, help you walk through some of this TechWise by Andy Crouch is a really good one. Um, okay, and I also just have to say this. as I've got five kids, okay, my husband and I do. And as mother of five precious kids, I have felt sometimes, and I've lived in this compulsion to be over, overprotective, but this is not what this is about. So if our highest good and call is to love the Lord, the issue here for us parents is not primarily to keep our children from evil. It is to stir up in their hearts a love for Christ and then to nurture that fledgling faith. We want to be freed from the destructive nature of tech, but this freedom is unto something else. 
I'm reminded in Exodus um, where God said, let my people go. Why? That they may come and worship me. So as Christians, we must open the world to our kids when they can be arrows and not sponges. Y'all, an arrow is a weapon of war. When our kids' hearts are captured by Christ, rather than being consumed with self and bearing hearts and bodies distorted by deception, the love for the Most High God can drive them out to engage the world with a broken-hearted boldness. Our children were created to partner with their maker in this grand cosmic battle to be salt and light in this world. This societal preservative and the ones who point a dark world to a risen Jesus Christ. So the offer, and the offer is to do all this with a powerful, indwelling, loving, ever-present spirit of God. For the same spirit, this is so, so amazing, the same spirit who lives in us is the one who raised Christ from the dead. So once our children's hearts are in, and their imaginations are captured by this divine invitation, the world's spell is broken. And I, I, bunny trail, I see this in my own kids. Once they see and catch a glimpse of Jesus and fall in love with him, what is social media? Eh. They make fun of it, guys. Like it's, it is beautiful to see the world's spell broken over our children. And we start by saying that we are made to be lovers, but actually that's not the ultimate goal. <laughs> you see, at the end of the day, it's not even um, about our children's hearts. It's about God's immutable plan for his own glory. His immutable plan for his glory to be revealed in this world through his people. So as we tend to the soil of our hearts, we delight in him so that he can be glorified in us. And that is a great call, the highest invitation to our children. So I would like to close with a blessing for us all, Hebrews 13, 21. It says, may God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Josh Mormon. I thought I had it figured out. I thought, oh, his daughter is sitting next to his wife, and that's not happening. His, his wife is over here. Okay. Jay and Josh, thank you for all that you're going to do for us today. Oh, you're welcome. All right, folks, that was a lot. But thank you, Laura, for putting that together. I know it's, um, there is just, it can go on and on. And um, what I want to take the time that we've got here is I've, um, there were some great questions that were submitted as a part of kind of signing up for this. And and uh, what was great about it is that they really touch on a lot of things. So my, my intent is to weave in some practical, um, but not, I would, I would tell you this, every family is different. And I think we can agree with that. Our kids are different, our personalities, all that. Um, so there are ideas and patterns, but I'm not expecting you to memorize it all. And so, sure, um, they, uh, I'm gonna stick around if there's something specific after, I know you guys got service that starts here um, at the top of the hour. And so um, that's kind of the, the hope and the plan for this next section right here. And then, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll fill the time just great. So the first question that came across was, um, somewhat, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do a few kind of what I would say um, softballs, and then we'll get into some of the more kind of, I would say more interesting complex situations here. So what are some resources for good movies, music for teenagers? It's a great question. So um, let me just kind of throw this out there. Has anybody ever heard of VidAngel? 
I see some, about half, right? So for those that don't, um, it's an interesting company that was created several years ago. They ended up losing a really gnarly lawsuit against the Disney Corporation. And uh, essentially, they created a great technology that um, allows for content to be filtered in the sense of streaming video content, so for audio and for video itself. Uh, right now, because they don't have access to the Disney distribution world, uh, there's some limits there. Um, but it's great to be able to sit there and you can link up your Amazon Prime account and if you've got a Paramount or Netflix account and sit there and say, I want to create this, but I can filter out certain content if that's what you want to do. Um, PureFlix, um, uh, right now media. So PureFlix is another one of those. It's probably the largest, I would say, equivalent that's really um, curated content that's it's foundationally kind of Christian in its worldview. Um, with Right Now Media, um, does the church um, supply that, right? And so I find that not a lot of, I mean, that many churches will um, take care of that subscription, if you will, for their, uh, for their citizens or their community, but people don't use it, right? Or they may not know about it. So for those of you, use it, get in touch with whoever you need to here at the church to make sure you understand it, but whether it's resourcing for uh, Bible study for, uh, different topics, um, or um, there's video in there and content for young kids as well. So it's a great safe spot. And through all that, you know, we um, everybody's got different interests many times as adults. And so being able to pull from that, I think you'll find great resourcing in there as well. So um, another one, Adventures in Odyssey. Did anybody grow up with that? There's see some there, right? So um, we still have a subscription, and my daughter's 19, right? And the reality is um, the idea of what's happening there and to hear and not be distracted by screens and what that does to the imagination. There's a, there's a great, you know, I'm sure talk on that there. But, but these are ideas. These are, these are great content sources that in general you can, as parents, you can feel safe. Um, it's not a free-for-all. As parents, we still have the right and obligation to parent, right? Um, music, I think, is a very interesting one and because I remember, so when I was that age, um, it was cassette tapes and CDs were coming into, into style. And the reality is that that challenge existed then, right? So I could go to my friends if I wanted, and my parents did everything that they knew how to do to create um, a great home life. So mom, what was, we were listening, we'd always have a subscription, I think, to like Hosanna, Maranatha music. Like there was like the tape of the, you know, tape of the month, tape of the week kind of thing. And, but, but our house was full of that constantly going on in some way or the other, right? And that's what my parents did, right? And that was the tech available at the time. All this online streaming stuff just didn't exist, of course, right? Um, but um, I think there is a principle right there, regardless of the how, it's this, this fundamental idea that as parents also, you need to lead by example what you expect of your children in this area. So the whole idea of, well, you know, do as I say, not as I do, still applies, right? Like, we shouldn't do that. So if you're sitting there and you're watching content that wouldn't be appropriate for your children and they see you doing that or listening to that, that's probably something you should check yourself, you know, about. That, we all observe the world around us, right? And I think that if we want to continue to have great influence, there has to be that level of consistency in what we say and in what we do, right? So this is, gets back to every family's different needing to come together as a couple, as parents, and defining this is what's going to happen in our house applies in this area as well. And if you haven't been intentional about that, that's okay. You can start tomorrow. Start this afternoon, right? Let's see. Um, uh, another point here I would say in this area would be teaching them constantly. That's something we did in our home was what are formative habits 
that you are as a person a result of the statement of books you read and people you hang around with, but it's your inputs, and that's what comes out of you. So as parents of, of as Christian parents, we want to create that environment where we are speaking and pouring godliness into our children so that as they grow, it comes out of them, right? And that can take the many different forms, um, uh, but, but there's a fundamental principle there, I think, that I find many adults may not fully grasp, so I always want to try to mention that. So if you think about, um, you wouldn't want your children or parents associating with certain uh, people that maybe have a, a certain lifestyle. Maybe they, they really are. Growing up, it was drugs and alcohol, right? And stay away from that because who you hang around is you become that, right? And well, this is no different. So you can go down these concepts here and it doesn't stop when you just, oh, I'm 18. It applies to parents as well, right? Your associations. Christ calls us to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Um, and so I think the idea of being in intentionality, music and video are great examples to kind of really, I would say, sink your teeth into, start that journey of building a formative, uh, uh, an action plan for your family. Like, this is what we're going to do at our home. I can't control what happens outside my home, but I can control what happens inside my home. Okay? There's a, um, a great book. Laura mentioned it. I think it may be on there, but it's, um, it's this book called You Are What You Love, uh, The Spiritual Power of Habit by James Smith. And uh, for me, it was one of the, it was a, it was a book that kind of really, um, it, it, in my journey, it kind of codified and helped me understand a perspective. I had understood about habits, so think of Stephen Covey, habits, seven habits of effect, you know, highly effective people. And, and, and I had grown up understanding many of those kind of secular principles, and they do apply. Um, but this was one that really, um, I think, brought together that biblical worldview in the sense. And so... Reading from, I would say, the book cover here, it says, who and what we worship fundamentally shapes our hearts. And while we desire to shape culture, we are not often aware of how culture shapes us. So we might not realize the ways our hearts are being taught to love rival gods, little g, instead of the one for whom we were made. So this is designed to help readers recognize the formative power of culture and the transformative possibilities of Christian practices. That worship is the imagination station, right? Think of Ventures and Odyssey, the imagination station that incubates our loves and longings so that our cultural endeavors are indexed or pointed toward God and his kingdom, right? So, again, it's resourcing, it's design. Here's a new way of looking at this stuff. I encourage you guys to take a look at that. So the second question was, um, what are some healthy guidelines on, this is going to be a little one, when they can use it, how to monitor it, best practices to protect what they see, appropriate boundaries, so this is kind of an all-encompassing question, and um, there was this idea that uh, an anecdote here was, you know, mainly for like 10, 11, 12-year-olds, right? And Laura made a good point a moment ago just talking about delay and um, was very, very pointed on certain things. And this is one that I would tell you, um, I would agree with her 100%, do not open that door with, with children of that, that young of an age if you can help it, right? Um, I would say here that... What we did not know 10 years ago, we know now, right? And, and so it's not about guilt and condemnation, right? Um, but there is that opportunity to start tomorrow. So it, there's a lot to, lot to read on this one, um, but there is a foundational topic, I think, as parents that you have to align upon, and that's you have to intentionally decide what is and is not acceptable technology in my home. And, and that's not just about a device. Let me grab one of my devices right here. So it's not just about a device. It's not just about the computer. It really needs to be all-encompassing around all of that. Are we going to let smart devices in the house? Are we going to train our children to speak to Alexa all the time? 
Um, it's always listening. What does that mean in, as they grow up and older? So it's, it's an all-encompassing statement right there. You're not gonna have it figured out overnight, but um, what I'm gonna give you here, there's plenty of resources. I'm happy to have conversations with folks as well to kind of narrow and get that down that's gonna work for you in your circumstances and your family. So one of the, um, one of the websites that I'll mention here is a great one called techdetoxbox.com. We'll get this over and you guys can have these links here. What it's gonna talk about there, it's a, it's a super mom who put it together, my view on that, and running into the same issues of digital well-being. That was the concept behind it all. So it, it is, generally speaking, I would say a secular site, um, but not one that's you know, leaning, let's say, a certain side of the political. It's very factual-based. There's a lot of cross-referencing to the same kind of content that Laura provides over here in her book list on the side here. It's dealing with, because this is, some of this is, this is definitely at its root a, a, um, a spiritual issue, but there are definitely people that don't have a biblical worldview that are frustrated and they're seeing these changes in, them, in their families as well. So as a resource, what it's gonna deal with, it's gonna talk about things, and I'll just give you some ideas. What are your plans for computers? When they're in your home, when guests bring them over, um, when you let your kids go somewhere else, um, do you just blanketly allow the school to define if they provide a device? We're just going to inherently trust um, that what they're providing is perfect and wonderful and no big deal right there. Challenging these questions right about it and thinking about it to ensure that they're not. Um, planning for devices. So uh, devices, when I see the, the, see the handhelds, right? So um, this is a, an example right here. This is a, um, a device from Sun, Sunbeam Wireless. Um, was created by a couple, I believe, uh, some Mennonite brothers who were literally trying to create some kosher tech or halal tech um, for their community and the Jewish community that um, there's two people groups that have said, that's no, that's no bueno, right? We need to make sure that we've got some technology in place that allow us to communicate, but we are going to do everything we can to not let some of the gnarly stuff in that Laura was talking about into our homes. Um, so there are many different flavors of, I would say, in the device strategy out there. There's, you know, companies are still manufacturing. I started, my was a first flip flown. Um, was it, um, oh, what great memories, that was great on that one. You remember sitting there and you just kind of rocked that thing. And before that, it was a pager. Um, and half the room doesn't know what that is either. Um, but the idea was, um, you had the candy bar style phones, you had the flip phones of different flavors. Some of them have aged out, they don't work in today's kind of cellular networks, but many of them do. Nokia continues to manufacture devices around the globe. There is an entire industry of smartphone detoxification as a, as a concept unto itself that is, is a real thing. Companies are re recognizing this. There's movements around the world to figure out ways to communicate but without the addictive tech that you know show up on you know kind of mainstream off-the-shelf Android and, and Apple devices so um, this we're not alone in our community on this issue this is a big issue around the world okay um, decisions around screen time time whatever that is have to be kind of thought about as part of that plan what's acceptable what's not acceptable how much and that doesn't just include devices it's, it's this kind of device it's a tablet kind of device it's a computer kind of device it's a television kind of device. They're all screens and they all have an impact and they, they take, they capture our hearts, they capture our eyes away from other things, right? So thinking about that as a, as a strategy as well. Um, this issue of when to, pro, when to provide a phone to my child um, is an interesting one. Laura, I love what Laura described there. Uh, we did something very similar with Olivia. 
my daughter is that um, there was an age where um, I provided a Kyocera Dura-V flip phone. It's a great device. It's similar to this one. It's 112299 T9 texting, right? Um, can chunk that thing across the room. It'll bounce off the wall and still keep going with nine days of battery life. And it was in intentionally perfect. And it allowed us, me to come alongside her and say, this is what this is. And this is when to use it. And when you punch 911, this is what's going to happen, right? Um, but these are foundational things. We're, we're raising adults. We're not raising children, right? But we need to teach them how to drive. We need to teach them how to eat right. There's all these things, right? And this is just another part of that. Um, eventually, that evolved, I would tell you, in, in our journey. Um, um, I introduced an Android device that had Google's Family Link on it, as well as an app called Safe Lagoon that allowed me to come alongside Olivia and show her and help her understand. This is the tech. This is and um, how to use it, why to use it, what it comes to. And she was changing in her life and what she was doing. And a few years ago, she adjusted from an Android to an iOS device because she launched her photography business. And that was important for what she needed to do to be able to link up and succeed in that. So it became more of a business decision than it was anything else beyond that, right? But the journey is still the same that, and we, we really spent a lot of time making sure, coming alongside, that this is what's wrong in this world, right? So we would sit down with her and we watched The Social Dilemma, if you haven't seen that one on Netflix. If you haven't, it's a great movie. Um, I would say you watch it with your 15, 16 year old, right? Watch it yourself if you want to in advance. Um, because you will, if you did not grow up in this IT industry, and mine was telecommunications and sometimes telecom and IT are kind of very similar, they come close to each other, but you will, you will hear and you will understand in a really good way some of the facts and figures of what's happening in the world, quantum computing targeting your brain. You lose every single time, and you will never win against it, but you can defend yourself against it. You cannot participate in it, right, for example. Um, but that's just the truth of what's happening. And so it's a great movie, great, great foundational perspective. If you're just looking for, I need to start here. I don't need to go off into the deep theory quite yet. Um, definitely encourage you to do that. Touching on gaming systems, uh, um, there is so much out there if you haven't dealt with that. Um, and the, the science around what's happening in the gaming industry, Laura touched on how it's impacting boys met, uh, in different ways than ladies, young, uh, young women. Um, my, my suggestion would be find a way to eliminate it as fast as you can as it's in your home, in that sense. Don't let it in if you have the ability to do so, if you understand what's really going on. And that's kind of think part of it, right? That um, it's creating an, an addictive situation. It's like a legitimate addictive category now, right? And the, the world is full of stories of, of, of hurt and challenges that this has done to create and that, uh, a lot of development challenges with people's lives. Um, I personally, I would say that um, if you're raising young men, um, being a great gamer is not the most attractive quality if you're trying to, you know, start a family. Um, I, it's, it's just not, right? And so I'm, I'm speaking to some young men in here. I don't know you guys, but I would tell you, but you need to be serious about that stuff, right? Being great at that and say, look what I scored in Call of Duty or whatever, or Fortnite it is like the worst, right? And it's not going to lead you in that right direction. And, find the lady of your dreams, right? Um, but it also, for those that's in there, I would tell you, but it's really serious, right? Like you want, that's, God calls us to be fruitful and multiply, and that's part of the life journey, right? And you want to be intentional about those long-term. Um, but there's also the issue of, I would just say, what it does to create unhealthy habits and that dynamic and that relationship with you and your future spouse. 
and what that does to lay the wrong foundation to perpetuate a not good situation to that generation of children that will come eventually, right? So intentionality can start at any age, and as parents, it's in our mind, like, hmm, what's, we, we think legacy because that's kind of, we should be thinking legacy, right? Um, this, this idea of smart devices, these are, I'm giving you just, these are points to think about, the smart device topic right there. Do you need a $300, you know, kind of Apple Watch on every, every all the time? No, analog devices are great. I carry a, this is a $25 um, Casio right here with a seven-year battery on it, but it's got a vibrating alarm in it, which is what I really needed because I didn't want, the, I don't want to have a device sitting there next to me, launching off in the middle of the night when I need to get up at five in the morning, my wife's still sleeping, right? But I need something that does it. So the tech is there, if it helps me do that, right? Um, but it took a journey for me to kind of navigate through that because you're like, oh, all this great health stuff and it's really cool and messaging and what, here's just another side note, but this idea of if you notice you're doing this and you're trying to have a communication, watch this next time, you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and they do this. It's still a disruption in that conversation. It's, and they're not like, oh, hold on for a second. It's, it's just not good people skills, right? And so think about that, right? Like it's, there's a really interesting Dick Tracy thing you can got going on here. But if your goal is to have effective communication with adults and with children and to create that, these are the little things that you, it's just considerations to think about, right? So obviously there's a lot of reasons why people have it. There's health challenges. It's amazing though, from a health point of view, how what that health tech has been able to help people who you know, have diabetes, they have sugar problems. There's wonderful value to all of that in use when used in the right spot. This idea of um, a device storage location concept, right? So assuming that devices are a part of your family, uh, what are your rules around what happens at night? How often, where do they get stored? Is everybody taking them into their room? I would say don't do that. I would suggest you not do that even, but that, that starts to apply to us as adults, right? Like, hey, you can't put that in there. And I've, we, my wife and I are going through this journey right now because it's convenient and easy to do so. But I am reminded um, this idea of look at me, look at me, look at me, don't look at her, right? And this is what these devices do. And it's been something, it's been our journey as well. Um, to kind of navigate through that, but I think as parents and as children, you still want to have the thought of that plan. So what is our device policy going to be? When people come over, when your, your children have friends over and they come in and they're living under different rules, but it's your home, this is how it is. So take your shoes off there, treat people with respect, the phones go over there. Like, what, like whatever that is, there's nothing wrong with this. This is your home. You can absolutely, it's my home, or you don't get to come over. This is the rules, right? You can do it in a nice way, but there's nothing wrong with that approach. I would encourage you to do it because you don't know. You, you may have control over what's happening with your children, but you don't know what, hey, look at this. And if you, it's the same idea. If you let it in, you know, it's, you're kind of opening things up for areas that you don't control. Um, this idea of, I'm going to come back to telephones for a minute right here. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a landline. Or maybe UMA or Google Talk or something that converts with a little box to your home internet connection so you can still take a $14 Target phone and sit there and say, hey, let's do some wireless conversations. We, we actually implemented that with our family um, and some extended family members over the last few months and it's fascinating to watch my nephews and their friends sit there and call up and, and sit there and talk about the same kind of stuff we all did. And it's on, a, we've got a friend that's got a great little pink clamshell phone, you know, and, and and what it's doing is it's giving them the opportunity to be taught how to properly communicate 
which is not 1122 and 120 character all the time, pick up the phone and talk to them. You got an issue? Hey, let's talk about it. It's biblical, right? You think about confrontation and resolving conflict over time. The worst thing is using technology to try to debate or whatever. We, the world is full. We've probably experienced it. Like you send that email. Oh, I shouldn't have sent that email or it, you lose all of it. But it's so affordable. Ten bucks a month. You can have a great line at your house that works great with your broadband connection. There's lots of ways to do that. Um, is it worth doing that? Perhaps it is great for you guys. You may be in a family where it's like, eh, it doesn't really matter for us because of what we're doing. That's fine. But I just, you can still go down that approach, even if AT&T around these parts is not offering, you know, home phone service in the traditional sense. They all provide the concept, whether it's coming from Spectrum Cable or it's coming from AT&T Fiber or something. There are ways to do it. And I would just say if you are stuck in that area and that's something that you want to do, then I'll reach out and I'm happy to kind of steer you in the right direction for sure. But the idea of that, if you need to talk to somebody, just go over there and call them, right? And it's just, it's a one, of, one of those little things that can do a great, I see a great help in teaching proper communication. And, you know, it's not about right now, go over there and, and just get over there and use the phone, right? Screen time alternatives that um, Laura touched on a few of these, but I would just say, don't just accept and agree that you must allow this addictive tech into your home in a way that is going to negatively impact you and your children. If that is the case, get it out but be intentional about what you're gonna replace it with. There's a whole talk around that. So if you think about the seven or eight hours a day that people are generally are spending on these devices, if that's there, how would you feel if all of a sudden you created a habit of something and now I don't know, like I go to the gym every day and I can't go to the gym or there were some weird things that happened a couple years ago when people were all locked down and isolated and right and like, oh, what do I do with my time? Because you had built a habit of how you spend your time something, it's no different. So if, you've got, if there are children that are spending that, being very intentional about what are you going to fill that with as parents and having a plan for that. So the idea of, you know, you've got to give healthy dopamine loaded, meaning fun, right? Activities to satisfy that dopamine craving emotional brain. So same reward, less risk. So camping, hiking, biking, skiing, sports teams, youth groups, travel, anything that's exciting and active done with peers and supervised by adults, right? Get to do something cool, social and productive. Dopamine cravings, which is so much of what this boils down to, are satisfied in healthier ways, right? There's a question here that had to do with, hey, we put parental controls on all our kids' devices, and years later they told us it's easy to get around and use a VPN, and all kids know how to use those. And the answer I would say on that one is, um, if that's been a challenge that uh, some of you ran into in, in your situation, there's a fundamental principle here. If you're going to introduce, at some point, smartphones, so either Apple or Android-based to your children, um, the Android experience is going to provide a mechanism for third-party apps that can get in there and provide a root level, like a super administrator level access to that device that you just cannot accomplish in Apple's ecosystem. So I don't really care if you've, well, we've got all this invested Apple Music experience out there. It's your choice on what you know about the technology. Um, but the truth of the matter is that if there was a need to put something in place that um, is going to be extremely, they would literally have to brick the phone to, to um, wipe something out, you would probably know about that. But Apple's improving a little bit. You know, they're saying, hey, if you want to get into the App Store, maybe you put passwords on. If you want to get into settings, um, it's becoming more and more challenging. Apple is growing up in that sense. But for many, many years, the Android operating system was the only way that you could truly have that root level access applied into a device. Without going too technical on what that means, 
these are competing philosophies. Android as a principal ecosystem, 80, 80% global um, kind of adoption rates. From its start, it's, it's designed to allow people to innovate. Apple, as I said, is, nah, we're gonna do things the Apple way because we think we know more about the right way to do things for you as the consumer of the business. And so you get these, these two different polarized views that had nothing to do with parental controls and the stuff we're talking about today because this idea started years and years and years ago, right? Um, but it shows up today. So with enough pressure, Apple over the last couple of years has attempted to make some innovations in their operating system in order to make it easier for screen time and parental controls that all came about in the last couple of years. It really did. So um, all of the applications that might exist for parental controls that are under that on the Apple operating system, they're all bound by the same limitations that Apple puts on them as third-party developers. In the Android operating system experience, if you ever do comparisons, and you, maybe you've done this with some of the software, you'll have you know, Android versus Apple, whether it's Bark or whatever. Why don't the checklists match up? It's because of things like that. So um, my encouragement, there's a new, there's a new provider out there, um, Gab Wireless, G-A-B-B Wireless. They are taking a, um, they have two different models of Android phones. And what they've done is they've created their own operating system. Um, essentially, it's a piece of firmware, and it looks and smells like Android, but it doesn't have access to the internet, and it has no social media on it. So if I, it's, it's the, I would say it's the screen size version of this concept right here, basically speaking. So um, again, founded by some family-centric, my last name's Mormon, spelled a little different, and so I, I open up all sorts of jokes in that, but um, it's a Lehigh, Utah company. The VidAngel guys, they're out of Utah as well, right? Um, these folks up here um, who manufacture this are up in kind of Amish country. Um, so there's, a, there's an interesting trend there. But the point being is that there is technology today that didn't exist in this space that can be said, hey, here's a smartphone experience because that maybe that's the right thing for the, the situation. But you can absolutely know that there's not going to be internet access on the device and smart, you know, and the social media accounts right there. And they come up with music streaming services that are curated, kid-friendly. There's all of that that's going on in the industry because they recognize, my goodness, there's a need for that, right? So um, these are links I'll give you as a follow-up right there. Um, let's see here. Maybe the last point here, and we'll wrap up here soon enough, is uh, this idea, sometimes I, I run into this conversation, it's this, well, I don't know, and you don't understand my circumstance, and I know life is full of all of that. My encouragement, though, is you are, you are the king of your home. You're the queen of your home, right? It is your fortress to protect and defend and grow, if you think of that, if that visual, if that helps. Um, there was a question that came up I've had, um, this time as well, I've had it before, which is, how can a parent help their children to make wise tech decisions when they are parenting with limited influence? So maybe it's a divorce situation, right? Um, or intermittent periods of contact when other adults in the children's lives don't have the same concerns or policies, right? So my, my children have devices that I don't have admin control over. I think the, the viewpoint, though, that I always encourage people is, as Christian parents, we have to first align our thoughts and actions around the commands and promises of God. So summarizing those three carriers that we are to train, love, and discipline our children is we're not raising children, but we're raising doing our best with God's help to raise adults. So regardless of the amount of time that you have purview over that child, right, um, they're still in your care, and the commandment still stands the same. There's not a caveat in the Bible that says, 
Well, only if mom and dad are in this really healthy relationship and you know, there's one full-time parent, like doesn't exist, right? This is the command. This is the, this is the directive. So I think the encouragement, put it in context, is um, in that circumstance, you wouldn't have anything different than, well, here's the rules of my house, right? So curfews this time. This is acceptable, unacceptable music, TV shows while you're here. We will be going to church on these times, so be ready on these days. Here's your list of chores and responsibilities to help around the house while you're here. These are acceptable attitudes and unacceptable ones. This is acceptable dress and unacceptable dress, right? And here's the device policy for the house. Now I'm giving you the curtailed version. You'd obviously flavor it in with your own personality, but if you think about all of this technology, it is no different than just another topic that as parents, we have a responsibility to teach and raise our children with, right? So remember to show them by their actions. And I would say intercede and pray for your child when they're under your roof. And in that circumstance, constantly, right? Because um, I can't control what happens outside my influence, but I absolutely can control what happens in, you know, when I am influenced there. And the last part I would say, this is a, a good quote. Um, John Piper's a, a really interesting theologian, right? And um, he wrote an article describing the three essentials of Christian parenting. And his point's really boiled down to immerse yourself in sound doctrine, make the joy of Christ visible to your children, present the gospel every day and in different ways. Capture their hearts. That's that number one command, right? Some, some accuse Christians of keeping their children in a bubble, hidden away from reality in the world, but it is becoming increasingly clear that the so-called Christian bubble is exactly what some children need to be in. Not to keep them from the world, but to teach them to live as Christ followers in the context of the world. The bubble should be a strong community of believers who live and teach the absolute truth of their face, like what you guys do here at Awake, right? So only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Only Jesus can fulfill what we all long for. Only Jesus can save our children from an eternity of separation from God. These are desperate times. We must never waver in our effort to teach our children that Christ is worth following, despite the lure and enticement of the world. It must begin and end with the gospel, always, right? So, um, What I plan to do is I'm going to follow up with um, Beth and Debbie afterwards and just say, here's a, Laura has provided a list of books over here in kind of paper takeaway form. Um, I'm going to do the same thing, right? And I'll get it to you guys in digital content and say, here's some prescriptive um, information. So I know we're um, kind of running out of time right here, but these were great questions. So for whoever submitted them, thanks for submitting them. Um, they really allow to kind of touch on a variety of topics right there. But my hope in the takeaway is there is a path to sit down and go through a class on, hey, here's this device and why you do it and let's go to this screen together. It's hours, per, you know, hours and hours and hours per topic, right? Um, but we definitely want to make sure that uh, if you guys got to go, go. If you need to stick around, I want to um, talk something specific, we can do that as well. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That was great stuff. If I can add two more things just from being a mom for a long time. But something I found in my house that worked was when friends slept over, that did become a sticky situation. Like it does feel weird to have your friends take your friend's phone. So we had this box at our house with a lock on it that made it not so weird. Well, it is is kind of weird, but, but I would just, I would just say to these kids, like, you know what? We don't put our phones in our room at night. 
And so we had this little box with a lock on it, and those kids would just put their phones in there too, and bam, that was over. So that made it not so weird that I had their kids, uh, you know, a guest's phone on my dresser at night. Second thing that Josh helped me with too is that, and please tell me if this is right, Apple has this feature that kids have to get permission from their parents to be able to get an app on their phone. You have to set it up ahead of time, is what you were saying. And so that way they're not able to get these VPNs that can go around what you've already established in your house. So in other words, if they don't, if you don't put that parental control on there, kids can just get apps and they can go around whatever you're doing, okay? But if you establish that they have to get your permission first, then they can't get all these things to get around what you've done. Yep, that's great. Okay. One thing I would say. So um, I think the bigger issue right there is if you cannot introduce these Apple and Android devices into the, your family in that sense, that's the better, yeah. right? For sure, 100%. Um, people ask me, like, why do I have two phones? This is my work one. So I have applications for work that I need to run. It takes these like to be able to log in and do my job. Um, it sits over in my backpack. But my personal number is right here. And, um, and this is something I didn't start that way, but it's something I'm really, and I'm still working on developing that habit to try to um, make that part of my normal so that um, when, it's, when work is done, this goes away. And if people need to reach me, you can reach me, right? I'm still, call me and, and all is well right there. So there's nothing wrong with having two devices. It's okay, you can do it, you know? Cut back on eating out one month or something like that, right? Um, if, but it's an idea about setting an example. That's really what it boils down to. So, all right. I think we're done. So I'm going to pray us out of here and let you guys get off to it. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity to come together in your house today with our fellow sojourners. Lord, I ask that you would just um, be with this crew tonight as they, they open your word, that you would take the words and suggestions here and they would, they would, they would take root. They would be an encouragement into those that hear this. Uh, that they would seek out truth um, and understand that it starts with um, a draw towards you and immersing themselves in, in you, Lord. And then from there, um, give us wisdom in how to navigate the world around us and inspire with all of them, Lord, this desire to be even more intentional in this area of their lives than maybe they've been in the past, whether they're young and old, to get at it. It's worth it. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.